Um, hi, I'm Susan, and uh, most of you know me, um, but I am a physical therapist and a grad student and a foster parent. And Steve asked me to say something today, and I got to pick about what it was. And um, there's, of course, a lot of things you can say about being a foster parent. I've been a foster parent for four years now. And um, I have had four kids with me. And I've had two little girls. They were my first placement. They were sisters. And then I've recently done respite for a couple of teenagers as well, which is, you know, terrifying. Um, because I, when I started, I had never parented before. I never had ch children in my house. And um, then one day they just dropped them off. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's what happens. They just like knock on your door and give you some kids and make you sign papers. And then they leave and the kids stay. Um, and you're like, what now? Um, but so I have like, I'm sure a million stories that I could tell you about, about how this community here helped me, about how God provided for me um, when I had all these kids, um, about how Kelly would like, I would call her and she would come over and like make them like her. And <laughs> um, because they certainly didn't like me at the time or... Um, you know, all the people who gave me things and, you know, supported me and watched the kids for me. Um, but what I want to tell you today is a story about a dirty shirt. And um, this story happened when I had the two girls who um, were like 10 and 7 when they were placed with me. And this was right before the older girl's birthday. And um, some of you have had kids, so you know uh, that sometimes they forget to tell you things. And uh, it was the child's birthday, like the following day, and she told me, she's like, I, get to I don't have to wear my uniform for school. I get to wear whatever I want to wear to school today. And I said, okay, let's pick something out. And she picked out this sweater that she wanted to wear. And then she's like, well, I usually wear this shirt underneath it. And I said, okay, well, where is it? And she she hands me this shirt that I've never seen, and they've lived with me for two months now, so I should have seen this shirt. <laughs> like, I'm not the best housekeeper, but after two months, like, this shirt should have gotten washed. Um, and it hadn't. And it hadn't been washed because the child had worn it essentially every day as an undershirt for the entire two months that she'd been at my house. Um, and... You know, I was like, well, why did you do that? You know, like, it's clearly dirty. You know, it was at one time like a white camisole, and now it's like dingy and brown and gray. And I was like, you know, why did you do this? And she said, because my dad gave it to me, and one of the reasons she was in care was because her dad had passed away. And so it made her feel close to her dad. So, okay, I'm like, fine, I'll wash it. You know, it's bedtime. Like, I have to work. You have to go to school. Like, that you can't wear this like it is because it will show. So I run down to the washroom and throw it in the washer with bleach because it's white. And bleach cleans things that are white and makes them white again. It's like this miracle. Laundry tip of the day. 
And so I go down and I get the shirt out of the washer and it's not white (laughs) and it's still like gross. And so I'm like panicking because it's this child's birthday. She's not at her house. Like I need to make this work out. But So I get out the bleach again, and I, like, douse the shirt in bleach and detergent, liquid, and I'm scrubbing it with a toothbrush. And I am getting mad because my hands are burning from the bleach because I should have worn gloves. (laughs) Pro tip. (laughs) But my hands are are burning, and I'm getting indignant because I am really good at that. And I realize, I'm like... I don't deserve this. Like, this is not my problem. She should have told me this beforehand. And I, um, like, just, like, had this sudden realization that, like, Jesus didn't deserve what he did either, you know? And right after communion, like, I felt like, oh, this is appropriate. And I was like... Sorry, I'm a little nervous. I wrote this down just in case. I get nervous. Um, So I'm like, Jesus didn't deserve what happened to him. My being selfish right now, like, cost Jesus something on the cross. And it just makes me think that the way that we... um, think about our lives is always, or the way that I think about my life is always in relation to what about me? And, uh, in the world of Jesus, it's not supposed to go that way. It's supposed to be thinking about other people. And when you can shift your focus, which is nearly impossible, um, away from yourself and towards others, you know, that's, that's what we're called to do. Let's see. Uh. I guess the one other thing that I wanted to talk about today was that um, I was having lunch with a friend. I'm really bad at this microphone, sorry. Um... I was having lunch with a friend this week, and she said, uh, we were not talking about this talk that I was going to give, but she said, I want to love people more, but I keep making selfish choices. And that really resonated with me um, because, you know, you may think, oh, she's a foster parent, like, good for her or, you know, whatever. I don't know. Maybe you don't think that. But lots of people do, and they say things like that to you. But I was um, a reluctant foster parent. In fact, like when I went to the training, the very first training, I thought to myself, I'm going to go to this training, and it's going to be terrifying because, like, I can't handle kids. Like, you know, they're crazy (laughs) and have a mind of their own and have experienced things that I don't know about. And then it was not as scary as I thought it was going to be. And then every time that I have said yes to a placement has been, I was tricked. (laughs) Like, 
I never said yes voluntarily. I never, like, it was never a good time. It was never convenient. And it's never easy. Um, And I know that a lot of you aren't called to be foster parents, but, you know, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And it's to love God and it's to love each other like ourselves. And... You know, you have people in your life that you need to love and you don't want to. And, um, but Jesus wants you to. And when you do that, that is when you grow into the person that God created you to be. Thank you so much. That's why that lady is somebody I want to be like. In my life, um, amazing person. Let me also have the chance to introduce another one that uh, is here with us today who will be speaking with us, and that's Jim Spicer. Um, I've known Jim for over 10 years, but the funny thing is that we actually had the same circles running around it, is that he was involved with the church um, that my church was involved with, so we share a, a common friend that we knew throughout the years. And Jim has a long history of... Um, serving in difficult places like he's been involved in urban churches because he has a passion a passion for the least of these and uh even when we were at the point where uh we connected when i was at a church up in mason and said we were going down to walnut hills to start a church jim said i I think i'm i think i'm about that and um he helped us get things started and then within a few months another church called him and he had been out of the ministry he's an ordained minister and he served in that church, which is in Mount Healthy. I don't know how well you know Mount Healthy. Mount Healthy was yet, you know, it used to be a nice suburb of Cincinnati, but then it was a tough, and it still is a tough neighborhood to be. There's a lot of need right there. And just recently uh, made the transition to working with Ohio Mentor. And Ohio Mentor is a foster agency. And uh, the interesting thing is the reason that Jim and his wife Cindy, who's wonderful people, are, are perfect for that thing is that they have um, lived that life them, themselves. They have modeled it. And um, I think that's why also, so we get the, the double thing. We get this issue that I think is a good issue. But then also what Jim is going to do for us this morning is to weave that into the scriptures. So I wanted to pause because we need to just get this set up. Will you take a few minutes, say hi to some people, but not too much. <laughs> All right, good morning, everybody. Good to be here. I want to tell you what, Susans of the world are my heroes, so uh, that is awesome. I, I mean, we have one of our foster moms with Ohio Mentor has fostered over the past 20, 25 years, 262 children, and now has two medically fragile children. And uh, i tell you what, foster moms and dads are my heroes and heroines, so, it, and, uh, so I'm really, thank you for sharing That was awesome. I do want to clarify one thing, at least with Ohio Mentor. uh, We do not drop children off, (laughs) and uh, and you have to say yes. Uh, uh, So anyway, we we try to share as much as we know about the children, uh, the child or the children, and uh, I tell foster parents it's always your decision. It's always your choice. Um, So it might not be the right timing, might not be the right fit, but uh, uh, we we want to trust that to you. So Steve and I do go back a ways. Actually, uh, uh, when I was at, uh, well, it was called Cincinnati Bible College at the time, uh, Cincinnati Bible Seminary, long before Cincinnati Christian University, looking at me, you know that. So, uh, but uh, Steve uh, grew up in the Price Avenue Church of Christ, and Cindy and I attended there for a while before going into ministry at the President Drive Church. We also share uh, a love for the Cincinnati Reds in common. Now, you may or may not like the Reds or care anything about the Reds. 
Um, and there are a lot of questions surrounding the Reds uh, this summer. Like, you know, will Jay Bruce ever be the superstar that he is supposed to be? Will this young pitching staff uh, develop? Uh, will Brian Price last more than one season? There are a lot of questions surrounding the Reds. But the biggest question surrounding the Reds this summer is this. And, you, and, and if I ask you to guess what I'm going to say, none of you could guess, I guarantee you. But the question is this. Will they continue to run the, the video clip of Steve Carr up on the big screen with him running around like a madman anyway? <laughs> Whether they will do it again this summer. But anyway, that's uh, aside from that. Uh, could you be the one? And that's the question that I want to reflect on this morning. Could you be the one? But first, some backdrop. In Ephesians 1, verse 10, the scriptures say this, And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. God is in the business of restoring. Restoring all things. Jesus, seated on his throne... John tells us in Revelation 21, 5, declares, I am making everything new. Not some things, not a few things, not a majority of things. Jesus said, I'm going to make everything new. I'm going to redo it. I'm going to restore it. Right now, you and I are a part of this or should be a part of this. Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so you and I are to, on a regular basis, be asking God to bring his kingdom, his rule, his reign, uh, his dominion to pass in our world, our world in the big world, and our world in our own little sphere of influence. And then when we get done praying, we start helping to make it happen, right? You got the picture? So we pray it. And then we help God answer the prayer. John Stone Street on a recent Breakpoint podcast put it this way. He said, Jesus will make a new creation, culminating in a new heaven and a new earth. That's how the story ends. And it is brilliant. In fact, don't take my word for it. He said, do a study comparing Genesis chapter 1 through 11 with Revelation 7 through 21. And read for yourself how the kingdom is ultimately the restoration of of God's creation. It's incredible. He goes on to share. Now, what's this have to do with us? Well, we live in this story, and our moment is between redemption and restoration. And Paul de describes that in 2 Corinthians 5, that those of us who have been reconciled ought to become those who reconcile. We participate in God's plan. He says, we do it, we do this restoration, we're part of this restoration, we do it like our Savior did, through love, through sacrifice, we just heard Susan share, loving these children, sacrificing her own life, the things that she may prefer doing. Stone Street says, through making wrongs right, and through pointing people to the one who makes them right with their creator, who is their creator. So could you be the one? Back in uh, 
November, after spending the past nine and a half years, uh, as Steve mentioned, at Highview Christian Church, I began a new role uh, as a foster parent recruiter with Ohio Mentor, part of the Mentor Network nationally. And so I have been introduced to the world of foster care. Or I should say reintroduced, because Steve already alluded to this as well, way back in 1975, a long time ago, 1975, Cindy and I were expecting our first baby. And uh, at the same time as we're expecting a newborn, we ticked in our first foster child, a troubled 14-year-old teenager who actually ran through the, uh, the aisles of Price Avenue Church of Christ, where Steve did later on. And uh, we took uh, Carl in, and uh, now we later fostered his four children, uh, through a really difficult time, and we're grandma and grandpa to them now. And they, in fact, they were with us at your 10th anniversary here back in the fall. And, uh, and in between, we were foster parents to another very troubled and needy teen girl who, by the way, lost her parents uh, within three months of each other. So I really wasn't introduced to the world of foster care. I was uh, reintroduced to the world of foster care. Children in the foster system are commonly and sadly, I might add, referred to as the trash bag kids. Now, this little girl at least has a pillowcase. But often when the county worker shows up at their home or their apartment, the child or the teen is left to quickly gather their belongings. And often, literally, it is in a trash bag. Alone, and afraid. Seated on a chair in the unwelcoming waiting room of a government office, holding a small plastic bag filled with a few personal belongings or worse, nothing at all. This is not the picture of an international refugee. This is how life begins in America's foster system for thousands of children Every year. So that picture is not Syrian refugees in Lebanon or refugees in some other part of the world that's happening all across our country. Foster children who are taken or relinquished into foster care are among the most vulnerable and at risk children in our society. And there is a critical shortage of qualified foster parents in the United States on any given day. And the numbers, of course, vary. But on any given day, there are approximately 500,000 children in the U.S. foster care system. And these children are right under our nose. They're right under our noses. We drove by them unknowingly on our way to Echo this morning. The problem... Larry Bergeron says in his book, Journey to the Fatherless, the problems of foster children in this country are largely invisible because most people don't see these children. The lies that have been sown by a cunning foe, and Bergeron refers to the cunning foe that we know in scriptures as Satan. The lies that have been sown by a cunning foe create a situation where people do not want to see them, but the Lord sees them. And knows them by name. 
In fact, in Luke 9, 48, he said to them, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And whoever, anyone who welcomes me also welcomes my Father who sent me. Whoever is the least among you is the greatest. So there is a problem. And it's close to home. It's real close to home. You may not have known this, but now you will leave knowing this, that in Hamilton County, and I'm assuming most of you probably live in Hamilton County, work in Hamilton County, some association with Hamilton County, if it's just coming to echo on Sunday morning. In Hamilton County, for every 10 children in custody, and what that, I'm talking about children that are removed by public children's services for a variety of reasons. For every 10 children in Hamilton County, there are only four homes available, which means these kids often are being shipped to Dayton or Columbus or sometimes put in a group home or a residential home. They're sent to cl- that wherever the agency can find a home. These kids are stripped out of their neighborhoods of any kind of stability they have ever known and moved somewhere to, with someone they don't know. Many of these ch- infants, children and teens have suffered abuse and neglect. All of the pre-service training that I do to prospective foster parents is trauma-based training. Because these children, even if they are functional, fairly functional in life, have been traumatized if it's nothing more than the county workers showing up at their home and taking them away. Children that we serve in our foster homes are taken out of meth homes. They are taken from hospitals where their bodies are covered with bruises and often have broken bones or worse. Babies born to addict mothers. Now the church as a whole, and I'm speaking relatively broadly here, the church I think as a whole has done a fairly good job about caring for orphans across the globe and around the world. And I don't know, maybe you have some uh, missions that you support or some orphans that you support in that way, even here at ECHO. However, The question has to do about the orphans in our own communities, children who are waiting for a home, for a family who we drive by every day right in our own community, but we're not even aware that they are there. And so there are young girls and teenage boys and uh, uh, infants and toddlers uh, all around our community, and the sign that this little boy holds up wanted foster care parents. Could you be the one? Could you be the one? Could you be the one to reflect the heart of God? These scriptures you already saw today, Steve, or someone chose them to start off the service this morning. But the scriptures reveal the heart of God rather clearly. They uncover those things that matter most to him. And here are a couple of them. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows. This is God. This is God. This is the God that we serve. This is God the Father of Jesus Christ, whose dwelling is holy. And so those who are left 
for whatever reason, without a father, and those who have been widowed, and that's not my focus this morning, but that's an important topic as well, and, and really in, in ancient days and older or earlier periods of history, often widows were left in a place of destitution and helplessness. But God goes on in the next verse to further reveal his heart when he says God places the lonely in families. He places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. God believes in family. And at the Mentor Network, we believe that every person deserves a home. Every person deserves a family. The God of the Bible is a God who cares deeply about those who cannot care for themselves. In Psalm 10 David gives us a further glimpse into the heart of God, a heart that cry, hears the cries of the hopeless and is committed to bringing about justice for them. Lord, you know the hopes of the helpless. Surely you will hear their cries and comfort them. You will bring justice to the orphans and the oppressed so mere people can no longer terrify them. The heart of God. Could you be the one to reflect this heart of God? Now, as Susan already said, not everybody's called to be a foster parent, but we are called to reflect the heart of God. And we all need to be determining, well, how am I best going to do that in my life? Could you then be the one to practice authentic Christianity? And I've got to believe you're probably sitting there saying, yeah, I'd like to do that. That's what I'm into. That's why I'm here this morning. And we ask, what is authentic Christianity? Well, Jesus' half-brother James, the one who went from being a reluctant unbeliever to become a pillar in the early church, gave us a pretty concise definition of authentic Christianity. In James 1.27, he said, pure and genuine religion, bottom line, the real deal, the real thing, when it comes to religion, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means... Ah, here we go again. It seems to be a common theme. Caring for orphans and widows in their distress. And, by the way, this is a good idea too. Not always easy, but keeping or refusing to let the world corrupt you. So part of, actually a big part, since only three things are mentioned specifically in this verse, a big part of fleshing out Christianity is caring for orphans. So what is an orphan? The most basic definition is one who has had his parents die. However, a secondary definition would be one who is bereft of parents. Some who enter the foster system have had parents die. I mentioned our 15-year-old Rachel, who came to us, lost her mother and father within three months of each other. She was troubled to start with, by the way, but you, you add the death of both parents within three months, and she was at a crisis point in her life. Some children enter the foster season system because parents have died. Um, back in uh, January, in our Dayton office, that, which I often work out of in South Dayton, uh, there were two young teenage girls, one 12, one 15, and uh, taken in by one of our foster parents in Centerville. Their mother died of a heroin overdose on New Year's Eve. All of a sudden, these two girls, their life 
is turned upside down. But others, perhaps most, literally have parents. In the foster system, we call them birth families or primary families. But for whatever reason, the parent or parents are unable to parent, at least at the moment. Maybe for a few months, maybe for a few years, and sometimes maybe forever. They just, for whatever reason, do, cannot take care of their children, their own children, in a safe way. Many times these children have been abused physically or emotionally. Sometimes the parents themselves or family members have perpetrated sexual abuse on these young children often. And they are scarred. These parents may have neglected their child. They may have abandoned their child. And sadly, in many of these cases, these parents themselves have been abused. And they don't know what else to do. They may be battling an addiction to alcohol or drugs that incapacitates them from being able to provide for their children. So when this happens, and it's happening, I'm telling you, every day. We get referrals from the county agencies every day. It's not like once in a while. So when this happens, the question is, what happens? Who steps in? Who will care for these temporary orphans? And sometimes they do end up becoming permanent orphans. Well, people like Susan step in. Could you be the one to practice authentic Christianity? Possibly by caring for orphans. A few years ago, Life-sized cardboard cutouts of children started appearing on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. at the rate of 850 a day. Why? To illustrate just how many kids are entering the foster care, the foster system on a daily basis. The exhibit called Forgotten Children... Foster Children Take a Stand was intended to raise public awareness of the struggles of an approximately 513 foster kids nationwide, many of who were removed from their original homes because of suspected abuse or neglect. A study done by the Dave Thomas Foundation identified that 48 million Americans have considered foster care. That's pretty staggering. That's a lot of people. 48 million, they discovered, have considered foster care. Notice the word, the key word there is considered. Obviously, I wouldn't even be here. There wouldn't be a problem. There wouldn't be a need if 48 million people stepped up to the plate. But the reality, they thought about it. And sadly, sometimes the, the, this, this inability to step forward resulted from misperceptions. Some of these misperceptions are, for example, 67% of them are concerned that biological parents can return to reclaim their children. Well, if, if permanent custody has been taken away from the parents, they cannot, they cannot come to your doorstep and take those children away. But a lot of people, 67%, have that mindset that if I take children in and possibly foster them to adoption, then the, parent, the birth parents can always come back and take them away. Not true. Once the court finalizes legal termination of parental rights, the parents can never return to claim the child. That's the truth. That's the fact. 
Another misperception, 46%, almost half, mistakenly believe foster care adoption is expensive. Now, we at Ohio Mentor are a uh, foster care agency. We license people to become foster parents, but many of our own families end up becoming adoptive parents, and we help them through that process. And one of the misperceptions is that foster care adoption is expensive. Reality is, the truth is, there is very little cost to adopt from, in foster care. It's different than the adoption you hear about with the tens and thousands of dollars that are involved. This is different. It's called child-specific adoption. It's another story, but that's a misperception. But you might be asking, well, how do foster parents take care of their children? I barely got enough money to take care of myself. Well, you don't get rich being a foster parent, I'll tell you that, but you do get a per diem. It's a, it's a, it's a per diem based on the count from the county agencies, depending where the children come from, and it's there to help you meet the child's basic needs. The children have their own health insurance, their own dental insurance, their own vision insurance. The children receive free school meals and free fees. And if it comes to adoption, the rates, the, the price is really pretty low. Another misperception about foster care, 45% believe children in foster care are juvenile delinquents. We have a great difficulty having foster, finding foster homes for teenagers. Because of, largely because of this misperception. The truth is the vast majority of children enter the foster system through, listen to this, no fault of their own, but are victims of neglect, abandonment, and or abuse. I wish that you could meet some of the foster children that I meet on a regular basis. Are some of these kids troubled? Do some of these kids act out in bizarre ways? Yes. Are they perfect? No. But I'm telling you what, these kids are precious. And some of these teenagers they're, they're great kids. They just need somebody to wrap their arms around them and love them. And, and a lot of times they've never had that. They've never known anything remotely resembling a healthy family. And so the problem, the, the essence of the problem is too many at-risk children need help. Secondly, there are too few caseworkers available to help them. The counties, the government agencies... They just, they can't do it. They, they don't have enough money to do it. The problem is there are too few available homes, homes available to provide a safe and nurturing environment. And so that's the problem. But what's the solution? There is a solution. I believe there's a solution. The solution is the church. I don't mean just echo. I mean the church. The church of Jesus Christ, the local church, because the church, the local church has the homes. The local church has the biblical mandate to care for the fatherless, to care for orphans. The local church has an incredible God to equip us with what we need. And I'm sure there are many days when Susan says to this God who can equip her, God, help me, I don't know what to do today. Even after she's called a caseworker and gotten some input, right, Susan? But see, we, we have a God, an incredible God, who's there to help us, give us what we need. This is the solution. We should, as the church, not be sitting by and watching government agencies do what the church should be doing. Are you 21 years of age? Do you know you can be a foster parent if you're at least 21? Do you have a spare bedroom? You don't even have to own your house. You don't have to live in a house. You can live in an apartment. You can live in a mobile home. You can be renting. Do you have enough income to pay your bills? Don't shake your head, please. I don't want to see you shake. 
You know, that's all. The state of Ohio does not care how much money you make or how much money you don't make. They only care that you have enough to take care of yourself or your family before bringing another child or children in your home. Are you single or married? It doesn't matter. Do you have reliable transportation? Can drive? And you probably question that. Do I have reliable transportation? But do you, Can you drive? Is you, is you, do you have insurance on your vehicle? Do you not have a criminal history? And even then, sometimes, depending on that history and how far removed it is and what you've done to change, that, cannot, that can even not be an obstacle. So the question is, could you be the one? Could you be the one? Could you be the one to reflect the heart of God? Again, whether that involves fostering or not, but could you be the one to reflect the heart of God? Could you be the one, as we asked before, to practice authentic Christianity? And could you possibly be the one to open your heart and your home to a child in need of foster care? Because we tell people, other than those checklists of things that you have to be to be a foster parent, the bottom thing is the biggest factor is that you've got to have a big heart. You've got to have a gigantic heart that is willing to look at a child or a teenager who is in need and be willing to love them and provide them a place of safety, a place of nurturing, a place where they can grow up and be the person that God made them to be. And I'll end with a uh, video clip done by the Hamilton County Job and Family Services that asked the same question, could you be the one?